podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Daily Red, your mid-afternoon catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. The day after Liverpool 3, Crystal Palace 1 in the Premier League at Selhurst Park. A good win for the Reds against a good Crystal Palace team. Liverpool started brilliantly and for the first 35 minutes of the game were clearly the better team. Dominating the game, scoring two goals. First through Virgil van Dijk, a bullet header from an Andy Robertson corner, and then through Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, a really good take and half volley at the back post from another Andy Robertson cross. The Reds were dominant. The Reds looked like they could run away with the game. And then something changed, and Liverpool really did fall apart. And were it not for Alisson Becker, this would have been a very different game. A very, very different game. Becker made three big saves in the game from Elise, from... Edward, and another one from Elise. And without him, you'd wonder what would have happened in the game. Edward did score on 55. Jeffrey Schlupp allowed acres of space in midfield. Jordan Henderson nowhere to be seen. Fabinho forced to cover a cross. Mateta left then to run through on Van Dijk's blind side. Schlupp found Mateta. Mateta found Edward. And a goal it was. And then Palace kept up the pressure. And they really did force Liverpool to defend in desperation mode for large portions of this game. And you could say that for 50, 55 minutes in this game, Crystal Palace were the better team. Fabinho would put the game to bed on 89 with a penalty after VAR convinced Kevin Friend to overturn his on-field decision. Diogo Jota took an incredible trend pass on his chest. Knocked it past the goalkeeper, but a little bit too far. Wasn't going to get to the ball. Stepped in to the goalkeeper as he slid out. I personally don't think it was a penalty. The referee at the time didn't think it was a penalty. But after a long VAR review, penalty was awarded and Fab stepped up and made it 3-1 with absolutely no hassle. No, no fuss. Just very calm, very collected. Now, what this has done is it sent the usual sources, Everton fans, Arsenal fans, and obviously Crystal Palace fans, the likes of TalkSport, all the rest, into the usual Monday morning meltdown of, you know, big clubs get big decisions. The game is corrupt. I would invite you all to go and check Paul Tompkins' Twitter feed. And look at some of the tweets he's put up about Liverpool and penalties, about how Liverpool have not at all benefited from VAR. This was the first penalty for a foul awarded to Liverpool against the on-field decision since VAR came in. The first one. Only the second penalty in total awarded to Liverpool by VAR. The first one was a handball. This one is a foul. So the idea that we somehow get these decisions going for us is bizarre. If you look at the list of the teams that have benefited, the two Manchester clubs are right at the top. You'd kind of expect City to be there. But you'd expect us to be with City. You wouldn't really expect United to be there, given how dreadful they've been. Um, so the idea that VAR somehow favours us is very, very strange. But look, we'll take the we'll take the penalty, we'll take the win, we'll take that third goal, and we'll move on. It leaves us second in the table. It leaves us 
nine points behind Manchester City with a game in hand. Obviously, we have to play City. That game will be at the Etihad. Uh, our game in hand is at home to Leeds. That's a, a game you'd expect us to win. So, a six-point gap and a trip to the Etihad to come. City dropped points at the weekend after 12 straight wins. They drew 1-1 with Southampton. We're a little bit fortunate at times not to fall behind in that game, but did dominate for the most part. But they never look the same team when they go behind. They never look as threatening. Chelsea kept up the pace with a good victory over Spurs. But they have played two games more than us and are a point behind. They've played a game more than City and are 10 points behind. I don't think Chelsea will be mounting a title charge over their last 14 games. But it does somewhat reopen the door for us. Now, the draws have killed us again this season. Similar to the 18-19 season, we've just drawn too many games. But for the next league game, we will have Salah, we will have Mane, we will have Naby, we might have Thiago. And if that's the case, we will be formidable. We will be very, very formidable. The midfield is desperately in need of reinforcement. There's no doubt about that. Yet another really unbalanced midfield performance. Curtis Jones had a good 35 minutes. When things aren't going our way, when we don't have the ball, when we're under attack, Curtis isn't a good fit in that left-sided role. It's not his fault. He's just not good enough defensively. He doesn't have the nous or the experience. Fabinho's been asked to do far too much. And the less said about Jordan Henderson, the better. A um, couple of positives from this game. Allison was outstanding. I thought Trent had a very good game. Andy Robertson getting two assists, though he did struggle at times with Michael Elise. Joel Matip did not play well. And that's back-to-back games that Joel has been poor in. And when you really start to dig into his season, he's had quite a few poor games. Now, he has been very good in a lot of games, probably the majority of games. But he hasn't been as good overall as people have made him out to be this season. And that's a little bit of a concern. The impressive dribbling does somewhat cause people to overlook the defensive issues. At times he can seem very hesitant. times he gambles a little bit too much. If you look at that goal from yesterday, after Henderson ignores Schlupp and lets him run, Fabinho has to cover across. Trent is where Trent should be, but Matip gets far too close to Trent, which causes Virgil to have to cover across when Eduard runs off Matip's shoulder. That leaves a big space for Mateta, and Andy Robertson doesn't cover across on him. Those type of things are concerning. But, all things considered, all things considered, we take the win and we move forward. Uh, This is Anfield, has plenty of post-match coverage, so check all of that out. Uh, Cade Gordon scored in the under-23s 2-0 win over Crystal Palace, both Nathaniel Klein and Martin Kelly playing for Palace. Max Waltman scored the other goal, Uh, so that is cracking. We also beat them 4-0 in the women's game. So a nice bit of dominance over Crystal Palace at the weekend. The Liverpool team, Pitaluga in goal, Bradley, Kwanzaa, Kmetio, Beck, Clarkson, 
Morton and Norris in midfield, Gordon, Balagizzi and Wal- uh, Waltman up front, Clayton and Byrne off the bench, O'Kelly and O'Rourke not used. Sorry, Kelly and O'Rourke not used. Uh, Liverpool under 23's next game will be away to Leeds on Monday, February the 7th, 7 pm kickoff. If you want to watch that one, over on liverpool.com, Liverpool's next six games compared to Manchester City give Jurgen Klopp some Premier League title hope. So let's have a a wee gander at these then. Uh, Obviously, we are now reliant on City to drop points. And one of the issues we have when that's the case is that a lot of teams play City in a very scared manner and don't really put it up to them. So, let's see. So Chelsea have five of their next six games against teams in the bottom six. Um... Don't think we'll worry too much about them. God, this is useless. Look, Manchester City. City's next six league games are Brentford at home, Norwich away. They're two two games you expect them to win. Tottenham at home. Tottenham caused them problems. They, they beat them earlier this season. Everton away, that's three points. Manchester United at home will be a, will be a tough one. United all, always give them trouble. And then Palace away, and as we found out yesterday, Palace is a tough place to go. It's not a difficult run, but it's certainly not an easy run for them. So you would hope that they can drop some points in those games. And maybe if that happens, we can take advantage. Now, our next six games, Leicester at home will be difficult. Burnley away, we normally win there, but it will be a tough enough game. Norwich at home. West Ham at home, that'll be tough. Brighton away. And then Manchester United at home. I would argue our next six games are more difficult than City's next six games. So I'm not really sure what the point of that article is, to be totally honest. Uh, Overlooked Liverpool signing who turned down Manchester United transfer impressing amid position change. So this is about Stefan Basetic, the youngster who arrived from Celta Vigo. Um, he apparently is playing very, very well. He started off with the under-16 side. He has been playing with the 18s and the 23s. He's moved from centre-back to holding midfield. Uh, he's not long-term 17, so there is a lot of promise on him. Callum Scanlon apparently is another one that there, there's quite a bit of promise upon. He came from Birmingham last January. So with a bit of luck, those two can continue on their on their path, but we won't put too much pressure on them. We shouldn't really be looking at them yet as anything resembling senior players. 
Uh, we've got the Media Digest then. Calls for Premier League investigation. It's been a funny few weeks for tribalism. Getting the better of presumably normally rational people with some Arsenal fans claiming that Liverpool made up COVID test results. Yada, yada. Now some Crystal Palace supporters are claiming conspiracy. One fan, Hollywood actor Jim Piddock. I'm not sure is he a Hollywood actor. I definitely saw this tweet. Um, said Crystal Palace fans should request a Premier League investigation into that Liverpool game. Worst VAR referee decision I've ever seen. Either VAR doesn't work and should be scrapped or there was corruption at play to keep the title race close. I think this is nonsense. I also think people need to realise that if the game ends 2-1, it's not a draw. We were winning the game anyway. That game didn't win... That, that result didn't win us the game. There's lots of crying as well about the Ox goal, that maybe Bobby was offside, but he wasn't. Uh, Jude Bellingham apparently has agreed personal terms with Liverpool, according to German Football Insider. I wouldn't put too much faith in that. Ronald Arejo is allegedly on Liverpool's wanted list. Uh, he's out of contract at Barca, I think, in 2024. Stalling on a new deal there, currently earning about 10 grand a week. If Joe Gomez was to leave, Arejo would make a lot of sense. Um, his age profile, his player profile, he's somebody that would fit in very, very well. Um, so certainly somebody to keep an eye on for the Reds. Liverpool and FSG have ample transfer options as Jurgen Klopp promise claim emerges. I mean, we do have plenty of options. There's always going to be players out there available to ourselves. And we've heard r routinely that this upcoming summer is going to be a big summer. We've heard that this is a summer that Liverpool will look to, I don't know, refresh the squad, I suppose is the best way to put it. Rather than, you know, rebuild, they'll look to refresh. Uh, Eduardo Camavinga's name continues to do the rounds he'd be a sensational player an absolutely sensational addition it hasn't gone well from at madrid because carlo's playing the more experienced midfielders which is understandable i mean if you've got cruz and modric and camavinga and valverde they're going to be your first four midfielders but for us camavinga could walk in and be a starter he's that good he's that level of talent uh, Renato Sanchez is mentioned here, but he's injury prone. I don't think we'll sign him. Yuri Thielemann's contract issue um, at Leicester could make him an option. Florian Newhouse, I would avoid, given what I've seen this season. And then in the attack, they've mentioned players like Nkunku, David, and Musa Diaby. One of those is not the same as the two others. Uh, Julian Ward's first window, so it'll be interesting to see if he gets much backing and much opportunity to show what he can do. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne picked Virgil van Dijk in his dream five-a-side team. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's fair. I think that's really fair. Uh, he tried, did try and shoehorn Ruben Diaz into the top three in the world. Um, but, you know, we all know the truth on that one. Uh, Salah versus Mane. The two will face off in the World Cup playoff between Senegal and Egypt. Only one of them will go to the World Cup, which means one of them should get a nice break come next 
December when the World Cup is on. Uh, Nantes are pushing to sell Randall Colomuano to Liverpool. He wouldn't be someone that I would expect us to move for, but you never know. Um, and there is constant talk about Gavi of Barcelona, but I, again, I think I think he's one who will sign a new contract there. I think he'll go the Pedri and Sufati kind of route. Um, you'd hope that they take better care of him than they have of the other two. And then finally here, Liverpool can repeat Virgil van Dijk transfer with Premier League hero who ended Man City's uh, winning run. Sally Sue was outstanding for Southampton. Really, really outstanding performance. He is very, very talented, but he's only 22. He still makes a lot of young defender mistakes, so probably won't just leave at Southampton and let him develop for another while, but certainly one to keep an eye on for the long term. Uh, on AnfieldIndex.com, there are a couple of new articles. We have the player ratings from the Crystal Palace match by Stephen Smith. Uh, Allison an 8.5, Trent a 7, Robbo a 7.5, Virgil 7.5, Joel 6.5, uh, Fabinho seven, Henderson six and a half, Curtis six and a half, Ox seven, Jota six, Bobby six, Tacky five, Milner five. I did think it was promising that when we got the penalty, and Stevens mentioned it there, when we got the penalty, it was Fabinho that took it, and not Milner, who has obviously previously been a regular penalty taker for us. New article up as well entitled. Liverpool have restored hope, but questions remain by David Comerford, so do check that one out. Podcast-wise, there was the most recent roll, which came out after the Palace game, entitled A Friend Indeed, myself, Trev Downey and Mo Chatra. And there was also the Nina Kowser show, Nina, Kaylin and Marco, plus some callers. So do check both of those out when you get a chance. And that's it from me, folks. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.